0: We about to jokes. And please don't it up, cause he on your social media
1: What's up everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, and reminisce about crazy old stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with the guests and reminisce about the good old days. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, comedian Luke Thayer. <laughs> uh,
0: that's me. That's, that's me. That, that's my portion. That's of you. The show, yeah. What's up, man? Ah, uh, just. Surviving. Surviving. Yeah, looking to thrive eventually, but uh, survival is all I'm worried about at the moment.
1: Perfect. Uh, plug everything up front. I do this every episode. We'll plug everything up front and then on the back end, let everybody know where they can find you. Social media website, the whole deal.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, right away, it, just pause the podcast and go <laughs> at Comedian Luke on all social media platforms. Uh, follow, you know, write me a message, whatever you want to do. Do you do the TikTok? I'd, it's also at Comedian Luke yeah. for TikTok, but I, I definitely am not. I'm so bad. At I'm it. So, I'm, you know, I've put some sketches out there. You know, I was uh, hired for a little bit to write and make some sketches, like these one-minute sketches. Obviously, it's TikTok, right? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't uh, going to be super long. Uh, and they tried to hire me again. It's just I've been busy with some other stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I yeah. want to invest the time for that. Mm-hmm. Which is reason that I'm here with you instead of like <laughs> hey! doing a theater, right? <laughs> um do you want to plug the show or anything like that or Um you
1: got it, albums out? Let I, I do know.
0: I do have an album uh, available which you know you can all the places that you can normally get albums. I'm going to link it in the show notes, so. Yeah. <clears throat> you can get it on iTunes, you can I I actually you cannot get it on uh Pandora. Right now, or Spotify, uh, there's a, been a little bit of a contract yeah. thing going on with uh, my record label, and you know those places. Yeah, we've had a couple comedians on who have, who are going through that right now. Yeah, so uh, so you can still purchase it though, and if you want, you can uh, email me, and uh, we we can work out a, a, a you know, comedian Luke at Gmail. We can work out a little thing where I'll sign a a, yeah. actual, <laughs> a physical copy of a download card and i put a little message usually i sell those after shows but i can also do that uh for you through the united states postal service perfect keeping the usps in business somebody has to
1: (laughs) (laughs) well tell everybody it's your first time on the show we know each other um from uh, different shows around the city but tell everybody kind of to get to know you you've been doing comedy for a little while, you've been in new york since oh five i believe yeah oh five
0: i think that was when i first moved here i just started comedy in indiana uh, I was doing the open mics there, yeah. and you know, my first little bit in comedy was uh, stand-up sketches, improv, all of that kind of stuff. So I was kind of doing everything you could possibly do, yeah. in, in the comedy realm. Uh, throw it all at a dartboard, see what sticks. And then at some point, maybe five or six years into all of that, I decided it was I needed to focus. If I want to be great at one thing it's going to have to be one thing. It's yeah. i can't you can't do all of those. You can't juggle all of them. So i focused just on the stand up then and then things started to take so off from there. When you moved to New York in 05 were you
1: just were you doing all of those things? I was doing all of so i had, How far were you into comedy in Indiana before you moved to New York? 1 year.
0: Oh, so you literally were like I was, just I was brand new. So i had i went up and there was i don't think it exists anymore, but there was a theater called Olympic or IO in Chicago. Okay. So I would drive from, you know, Indianapolis area to Chicago every Saturday, take classes there. Is this uh, during high school, after high school, after college? This is after college. Okay. And so then I also was doing stand-up. I took a job at the local comedy club, which this this club's barely hanging on. But at the time, it was a big deal. Yeah. They had two clubs in Indianapolis. Uh, they had – one of the clubs had Tuesday through Sunday shows – uh, that combined, I think they had 15 or 16 shows a week. Wow! Uh, I think they are down to two shows a week. One club. It's one of those things where it's just like it's it, obviously there's been pandemic issues. There's been comedy club bur- uh, bubble burst a little bit. Yeah. But also, it's not the most well run place <laughs> ever. You know, and I think sometimes uh, people. Use some of the funds that were supposed to go for the business into their own yeah, pocket. Yeah. So. We've seen, we've all seen that before. Yeah, what, yeah.
1: When you said you worked there, what were you doing? The door I was, tickets? I was or... doing
0: the door. I was okay. an usher. Uh, and, st- and so, I got to – I seated people. That's all I did, basically. I'd run some food. But so, I stood there and I got to watch the show every week. And so, I saw lots of comics coming through. Probably the biggest names – That I saw during that year were Harlan Williams was like – that. I was just absolutely starstruck by Harlan Williams, right? So, he's at the time a big from Dumb and Dumber, Something About Mary. That's how I think most people would know him. Uh, Now, having a daughter, he also does this cartoon called Puppy Dog Pals, uh, which she likes. Oh, really? But – for me, it was that Dumb and Dumber generation. So, oh, we were so starstruck by him. He he was super nice. He invited us all to go down to the bar downstairs, hang out. And what we did, he was at one pool table playing by himself and all of the staff was at another one. We right? were <laughs> too, too afraid to actually go play with him. Yeah. It probably depressed. He's like, hey, guys, I want to play pool. I know. and also tells you what my mindset was at the time that – Harlan Williams was like the biggest star I could possibly ever imagine speaking to. And now that I've been in comedy and you know, we uh, just did a show at the Cellar together, um, you go, Oh, I'm around this stuff all the time. I was just around Chris Rock last night. Yeah. Not, not, we are not friends. (laughs) We we did not speak, but we were. But you're in the same room. We're in the same thing, doing the same stage, doing all of that. And so. I saw uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, uh, Mark Curry. Okay. Uh, That was a TV show back when I was a kid and he came through and did the club. And Kevin Pollock. I think those are the three biggest stars that I knew at the time or or met at the time Mm -hmm. when I was there.
1: And so were you – after the year, because as you had already mentioned, you were kind of juggling a bunch of different things. After that first year, were you just like, "I'm going to New York" because you had a passion for it, or what? What did you end up going? What did you go to college for? Psychology. Okay, so yeah. you're you're completely. I didn't know if it was like theater, or entertainment, or anything like that. So nah,
0: no, no. And this thing, I'm from Indiana. Um, so, Where did you go to college, if you don't want uh, Indiana University. Okay. So, if you happen to be watching the video, I'm actually wearing an Indiana I see that, University yeah. t-shirt right now. But it's – Indiana, even though there have been a, several showbiz – giant showbiz people come from Indiana. Uh, Michael Jackson is from Indiana. I did not know that. David Letterman, if you want to stick to the comedy realm, is from Indiana. John Mellencamp, you know, just – there are people from indiana in fact even from my era there have been people from indiana that have gone on to show business things jim gaffigan actually i was going to say he's he's older than me but like he is also from indiana and um shasir zamata is from Hmm. indiana my wife abby crutchfield is from indiana uh, who she's done some tv shows and um, had her own show a couple times Miss so, Pat is she from Indiana? Miss Pat is from Indiana. Okay, she, now she's I after I left. Yeah, but she is also from Indiana. So there's like, it, but prior to me actually getting into comedy, David Letterman left Indiana before I was born. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's like it it never computed, and especially when you're a kid. Like yeah. when you're a kid, nobody, anybody that's like two years older than you. Is old. Yeah. Right? So oh, yeah. You know, like if you're a freshman in high school, a senior is like, that is an adult compared to you. you yeah. Know, you don't hang even. And so, David Letterman being like 30 or 40 years prior to that, whatever it was, it wasn't that long before, but you know, at least 20 or 30 years, it, it didn't seem real. So, show business did not seem real. In Indiana. In Indiana. It just seemed like the most you could ever hope for. Like I, I was a barista in high school and I'm- Uh, The local sportscaster came in and got a coffee from me. And I thought that was as close to show business as I will ever be. Uh, Jeff George, who was the number one pick in the NFL in 1990, um, he came – he went to my elementary school and my high school. But he was, you know, 10, 15 years older than me or something like that. But he came back one day. In my elementary school and walked the halls. And we're like, that's Jeff George, an you know, NFL player. And so, like, that's as close as you get to show business or seeing stuff on TV. And so, everybody else, like, every stand up comic that ever lived that I was passionate about, my first uh, influence into comedy was Bill Cosby, which, okay. you know, uh, that's that's where it ends. That's yeah. the only influence is comedy where it lays yeah. with him. But that was the only one I was allowed to watch because, you know, I grew up, my dad's a preacher. Which kind of is going to lead us into some of these, like why I'm not much of a drinker, yeah. and drugs and things, is that my dad's a preacher, and so I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of things.
1: What kind of preacher you don't know, my asking. So like Baptist, hellfire and brimstone, or like the, new age kind of like clo- closer to,
0: closer to the Baptist. Okay. So it was a non-denominational Christian church, which you know it's kind of boring to get onto all of that. Yeah, stuff, yeah, but, yeah, but I just but I didn't wanted to know
1: how severe more, the strictness was,
0: more from the evangelical side. Got it. So like. Uh, he, we didn't have all of the same rules, but like the communities we were in, uh, an example was a lot of people didn't celebrate Halloween. Either. Okay. My dad actually, he liked Halloween let us do it. But he's he, like, it's okay. He did. He's always kind of like, let's just don't talk about that. Not not to like, more than to not offend people. Yeah. It wasn't like hide this so nobody knows. It was more of like, you don't want to offend other, uh, other people in the community. So, uh, but they would have no they'd have like a harvest party instead of having yeah you know an actual halloween party halloween party and so like if all the costumes had to be yeah, yeah. character yeah i got you, know, you that kind of stuff yeah and so growing up that way bill cosby was the only one that i was actually even allowed to watch as a child so i saw himself that would have been the the first comedy special I ever saw yeah. in my life Would have been that And then A little bit later I was allowed to watch We watched Seinfeld Together so Okay So you Seinfeld was okay mm-hmm. Yes Okay and this is We watched a special And this is my dad's critique Of Jerry
1: Seinfeld Oh so you're, you mean I don't mean to interrupt But you mean Seinfeld The Se- comedian Not Seinfeld the show
0: Both I was allowed okay. to watch Both okay. of those things And so and, <clears throat> and, and As well as Cosby I was allowed to watch yeah. The Cosby show and, and I was allowed to watch Himself So because those both were stand up comedians and some of the greatest of all time, there's crossover. We probably, the entry point was through their TV shows, but then we saw the specials. Yeah. And so my dad's critique of um, <laughs> Seinfeld was I think at one point, he, Jerry Seinfeld, and I'm telling you for the last time, says the word damn. And my dad goes, Oh, he's so funny if he could just not be dirty. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I just wish he I just wish he hadn't done that. You know? <laughs> and so that's the kind of environment. I, yeah. You no. Know, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. The reason I asked about the Seinfeld chosen
1: was because I dated a girl in high school whose family was very conservative, mm-hmm. like all the all of her brothers were Marines. And like the dad was very like, you know, we go to church on Wednesday, Friday and Sunday kind of thing. And I remember I grew up watching Seinfeld. My dad loves Seinfeld. So, I remember one day we were all sitting in their living room and we're just flipping through the TV and they're like, ah oh, nothing's on, nothing's on. And I was like, Seinfeld, Seinfeld's on. And the dad was like, oh, I don't know. And then we put it on and then it was the scene where Elaine is in the bathroom and she's begging for toilet paper from the next stall. Yes. And he goes, a spare a square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spare a yeah. square. And he goes... This is why I don't watch this garbage. And I was like, what? This is – So, when you said – I was like, wait a second. I remember being around like more conservative kind
0: of people and they're like, no, this is blasphemous. Yeah. But you got away with it. You were able to watch it. Yeah. You know, my dad – My dad's an interesting guy because for he's also an old dad. Yeah. So, I have siblings that are almost 20 years older than me. Oh, Wow. And so, I came along and this is actually – I think it's going to be the title of my dry bar special. They haven't confirmed it yet because it hasn't come out. But I'm a special gift from God. There you go. And so, (laughs) because people are like, you're an accident. Like, no, I'm a special gift from God. And so, I came along much later. So, he was a much stricter dad for them. Yep. Than for me, I'm a
1: young, I, me and my twin sister are the youngest out of four. Yes. So it's the same kind of thing where like my older brother ends up getting a PhD from Cornell and like had, like had more, I would say more rules and stuff. Cause I'll, I have jokes. You heard the bit about my mom being the cool mom and my older brother and sister are like, Who? When, when, yeah. when was that? Yes. And I was like, oh, this was after you guys were gone. And like, she was kind of over
0: it. Yes. It's a, I actually have, my brother um, has a PhD. Oh, really? And so he's a doctor of psychology. Okay. And okay. He's, he's had his own businesses. Uh, you know, I have a sister that's older than him. Uh, she has six kids, six girls. Um, then I have another sister. So out of them, it's sister, brother, sister. Now the youngest of those, that sister She – they were already saying that about her. Like she got away with everything. She was the baby. And then – And then I uh came along 15 years after her. Okay. And so I think I've got not just a mellowed version of my dad. I think I got a – almost a grandparent version (laughs) of my dad. Yeah. And he was still strict and I still was afraid of him to some degree because, you know, I, I don't know that dads are like this anymore. I'm certainly not this kind of dad for my daughter, I don't think. Uh, dads used to be scary. Yeah. Like just because I think they were the disciplinary ones. So it wasn't like I was afraid he was going to hit me or anything. It was just more of like you knew dads meant business.
1: Yeah, because that was my whole thing was I, I now have a great relationship with my dad. But growing up, I remember like – because I, I was a, a destroyer of things, like breaker. And it was just by, like, I'm a bull in a china yourself. shop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like, But I just broke things, which is why when I found football, I, they were like, oh, you're good at like hurting things. And it's not, it's just a weird thing. Like, I feel like it's always bad luck or I'm always dropping stuff. I'm always, like, running into things. And because I'm so big, when I do that, things break. And I remember, like, the same thing you're saying. I was never worried my dad would just, like, saw off and hit me just randomly but I remember like I would break something and I'd be like ah oh, shit yes. because then I had to go like hey dad but it also speaks credit to them because it's also I was the kind of person where if I did something I would own up to it and be like hey like dad I broke this and I just remember the same thing I would be like this is not gonna go well yeah. like yeah
0: I would be scared <laughs> like nervous like oh this isn't gonna go well yeah oh I look I can relate to that and my dad, uh, if he was listening to this, he'd be like, "I love that story." If he could have just kept it clean, <laughs> like <laughs> it's it is like I, uh, you know, I was, I was a liar, is what I. Was oh, you were, him. and it's very specific lies though. It was all about homework. So yeah, I did lie about that. Yeah, all the time. I did not want to do any homework. Look ever. at us having things in common. Yes, <laughs> and so uh, I, I, so I would just tell him, "I did my homework." Yeah, and he never checked. He never said, "Let me see it." I want to, you know, he's like, okay, I'll believe you. I think that's a po- point he was and he trusted it. Now, up through like fifth grade, didn't matter. I I was a bright enough kid that you know I figured out do it on the bus, do it on the yeah, bus, yeah. do it all that. You know, I you know I'd be writing, trying to fill in answers as they're we're all passing yeah, it yeah. Up the, to the front. Uh, but then like fifth grade, uh, something happened where it's like I ended up getting some D's because I just was not turning in even homework. Yeah. I was it, uh, the. Whatever the teacher's philosophy was that maybe like the moment you got into class, you had to hand, hand all, it in right as you the, walk in. Yeah, And I think that must have changed the way I could do because I, then I couldn't do it at my desk while other subjects were going on. And so I got a D and he was like, this is not unacceptable. You know, you're not turning in your homework. So that that can never happen again. Uh, okay. You know, I was scared. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the very last grading period of the year. Then first grading period of sixth grade, I think. I got an F and he go, cause I didn't turn <laughs> in and he, then it was just like nuclear meltdown. And then I was like on, on a roll the rest of the way, yeah. because it was the meltdown of like, I'm taking everything. I'm checking your homework every night, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so, and, but right prior to the, that report card coming out in fifth grade, and this goes back to even having this Christian upbringing, I, I went into my dad's bedroom, and they, they had just probably gone to bed. So, it's like maybe like 9, 10. No, it's probably like 10 or something like that. And I said, I need to confess something. Because I knew the report card was coming out the next day. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do my homework. And he, he goes, oh, okay. No problem. Thanks for telling me. You know. And he went to sleep. And I felt this burden relief. Oh, I told him. Yeah. And then when he got the report card. That was smart. Wait until he was in bed. Yes. Well, when he, he also didn't get what I was saying. He thought I didn't do homework that That day. (laughs) And so he didn't realize It's like, oh, I've never done homework. No, I mean like overall, ever. I've never done homework, ever once. And so when he got the report card, he was like, what? I go, well, I told you I didn't do homework. He goes, I thought you meant that night. You're like – so that's the kind of lies I would – Put yeah, there's like I would just for my own personal benefit is that I didn't want to do the work, I just wanted to play, I wanted to live in my own imagination, and I didn't want to do the worksheets and all of that. See, that
1: was growing up, that was my biggest thing was I hated busy work. Yes, so when I got to, I actually did better in college than I did in high school because in college, <clears throat> because I played sports, they were like, Oh, you can take whatever classes you wanted, and so originally I went for business took one political science class as like a uh, elective or whatever, and I fell in love with it. And I was like, I'm changing my major. Like the first two weeks of my freshman year, I changed my major to political science. And then I was able the next semester to get in all these like 3,000 and 4,000 level courses. So I ended up taking junior and senior level courses as a freshman, and I loved it. Because they're like, you don't have to show up. You're paying for the class. We have two midterms and one paper, like a dissertation, like a 20 mm-hmm. page paper. That's it, Two or a midterm, a final, and a paper. And I actually did so much better because I showed up to class because I liked the subject and I would take notes and then I would just crush the tests. And then that was it. And then when I was like a junior in college, they were like, oh, you have to take these prereq classes like you have to. And I wasn't playing football anymore. So I just got lumped into all these like overflow classes. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, one page every single night on like two chapters. in the. And I'm like, we're back to high school shit. And I'm like 21 now, like 2021. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And that's when I actually – and I was drinking a lot at the time. So, that's when I started to fall off. <laughs> yeah. But it was the same thing in high school and middle school. It's like I don't want to do busy work. Like they were always like, oh, he's such a good test taker. It's like because that's the that's the stuff.
0: That's yes. what we're trying to do. That's what I, I was a great test taker. Yeah. I got great grades on the test because I also – like just in general, growing up, my learning style was I would listen and I could pay attention to what the teacher said and I would retain it. Yeah. So, same. I didn't have to – Read all of the chapters. I didn't have to go through and do all the worksheets and everything. Yeah. I just retained it. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I had at growing up that I was really terrible at, and no matter what practice I put in, was spelling. And, Me too. Yeah. And as an adult, like literally like within the last year, I took a test online for dyslexia. And it came out. It This was a, you know, they have like a range of yeah. things and it came out very dyslexic. <laughs> I was like is that a category is just very like, very like, you are super dyslexic. So I don't know if that's true cuz I haven't gone to a professional with that but I've always had issues with spelling and even now like Google would just I I give up. I yeah. don't know I don't know what you're trying to uh, say.
1: The same thing happens to me yeah. is now I use the um the speech I, to I text. I have to. I have to. Because okay. I'm like, I don't. I have no idea how you to. You might be this.
0: also dyslexic.
1: Maybe that would know? make a lot of sense. Why I was so good at listening and like taking notes, mm-hmm. but when it came to like reading and homework and stuff, I was like, eh, and I just throw it in the trash.
0: Yes, I, the, we might be learning something about you. There we go. Hey, forget the drinking stories. Yeah, let's talk about dyslexia. <laughs> yes, it's it, so. Uh, it would explain a lot. And now I think if because I was in the gifted and talented of things yeah. like science and you know, social studies. Yeah, I took and, IB in high school. Yeah. It's like the but hardest spelling. In the world. I was literally in the remedial class. Like they would put me in with the kids that are like, I'm like, I don't even know if they know how to <laughs> talk. Like what, why am I in this class? And so I think that if, I think now if I was in elementary school now they would go, there's something off here yeah. that he's, so, so good at this but so bad at that yeah they they probably would go we need to test for dyslexia here
1: yeah nowadays they would and that's the interesting thing too is because spelling was an actual grade up yeah. to like up until middle school I want to say and I used to always get a's and B's everywhere and then D's in spelling
0: yes me too it, that's ah ex- oh, we're like parallel paths here cut from the same clock yeah and so it was it's I remember the spelling test and the anxiety with that and like I wouldn't even be close. That's the thing I'd be throwing in letters. And I remember trying to like, okay, they're like sounding out. Visualize. Yeah, 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 Visualize. And I'm like, I don't – I'm sounding it out in my head, but it's just a jumble of letters. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, There's a really funny comic who – who is it?
1: Is it Phil? Who is like um, – he's talking about being dyslexic and they're mm-hmm. like, sound it out. And that's like – It's like basically telling someone in a different language, like, well, how do you not get this?
0: It's like, I just, I don't get it. Like, yes, it doesn't matter how fast or slow I say it. Like, I don't get it. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I wasn't super great at foreign languages either. And so I don't know. Like, I took a lot of German. Did you? Yeah, I took, because in high school we had to. So... Yeah, you have uh, to take a language. Yeah, it's the same thing in Florida. I think I took maybe three or four years in high school, and then I also in college they said you had to take languages. So I think I took two or three years of German in college as well, and I never, it never clicked. Never, I never, never. I, I could do, I could get you know, a B in the class. Yeah. But that's because I took so much German. Yeah. And I was still at the lower levels of German. It wasn't, you know, I had friends that- You go back into German one after four years in high school. You yes, were back into I did. German I one. Yeah. I <laughs> went back into German one. And so, it was kind of like, well, at first I was like, you know what? I want to take Italian. And uh, my roommate at the time goes, you're not, you need to, because I had a little different story with the college stuff. You're like, oh, immediately I I did well. Yeah. I wasn't – I was a basketball player, but I went to Indiana University. I wasn't going to be playing basketball for Indiana. It's, did <laughs> you try to walk on? Not even close. No. It's like – I do have a family member that did walk on but there, but like it's it, it's a very high level. Yeah. It's the Hoosiers. Yeah. It, like we literally went to the national championship game my senior year. So yeah. it's like – it's a very high level uh, basketball. So I, I got to play with the team a little bit and I also learned – Wow they they were definitely a level yeah. beyond me. I, would, I say
1: that all the time. When I went to FAU, I was just I got there. And it's still a Division I school in Florida, in yeah. South Florida. So I got there and I was like, oh, this is not, this is not what I thought we were going to be doing. No, no, like, these are grown-ups. Yes.
0: I I remember like because I'm I'm 6'2, which is not incredible. I'm more of guard height. So yeah. I'd be like three and D is what they would call me now. Three and D. And I just shooting a three and there was this guy jeff newton that was on the team at the time and he picked it out of the air when he <laughs> when he was at the free throw line what? and i was like okay i'm gonna have it's to." it's not goaltending as long as it's going up yes yeah, so i was like okay i'm gonna have to I, w- I would really have to like you know and i got worked on my release to get it even quicker. yeah i've always had kind of a quick release but for shorter guys it doesn't you know, I, I was, I was quick for that. Then it was like, oh, I'm playing a seven footer, and just, just watching that's him ten kind of, feet when he puts his hand yeah, in the air, he just pluck it out of the air, and I'm like, he's not even close to me. <laughs> like he wasn't like he was standing right up on me, guarding me. He was back five feet and picked it <laughs> out there, and I was like, okay, that's I won't be, I won't be playing here. <laughs> and so, I uh, when I went to college, I still had the habits of a high school uh, uh, academic. perform it which was i could do the work during school i didn't have to do the homework at home yeah you know we had study halls and stuff that i could get it all done there and so i get a's and b's and i would take very good tests and so i kind of just coasted through high school that way i was in the top 10 of my class not top 10 number top 10 percent okay just doing that yeah right and also went to very bad high school in terms of like – we started out with I think 560, 590, something like that students my freshman year and then graduated like 350 or something okay. like that. Like half the – literally like half the class either dropped out, transferred, was in jail. yeah just dis- Gang, gang. Shouts yeah. out Indiana. They're going to – they're going to come back for a second senior year, that kind of stuff. And so when I went to college – I was playing basketball at the rec center, just that kind of stuff, 2 to 6 hours a day. Oh wow. You just, loved basketball. I did, yeah. And I, and I would be just doing that and Do you play in any of the leagues up here? Uh I have, but it's hard as a as a comedian because they tend to like play at night. Yeah. So it's like or on the weekends when it's like I'm working. So I t- I you know I play a little bit on um Saturdays now. I used to play at the YMCA during the day before the pandemic, like two, three, four times a week. Oh wow! Uh, but all it, I, I, I'm a good Y player. At least I was yeah. you know, before the pandemic. Uh, so in college, you're playing two to six hours a day. Yes, and my grades just were in plummeted. The I was on academic probation my first semester. Oh wow! Like immediately, it was <laughs> like, oh, if you don't improve the next semester, we're going to kick you out of school. God and which having been decent at academics the whole time I was like oh I really got to buckle down and then I was like is similar thing as the, the lying thing in elementary school is once the hammer was laid down it was like oh now I'm on academic honors yeah. the next semester okay so
1: you you were able to kind of be like okay
0: yeah well, yeah I definitely turned into I've got I I always was um waiting to the last minute to do the stuff but i would get the stuff done whereas before like i didn't i even had to learn things like don't schedule an 8 a.m class
1: yeah that's very important a lot of people don't they think oh i'll get these
0: classes out of the way and then i'll have my whole day it's like you're not gonna go to the 8 a.m i I just didn't go yeah and so it turned into that of like i haven't got i i just even had a dream recently i was just about to bring up Uh, those nightmares i had a nightmare of like I just wasn't going to class again. I'm like, I haven't been in college for so long. Uh, me too. Why I still have those that? nightmares that I wake
1: up, like I'm in a class and I'm like, it's the final. And I'm like, I've never even been to this class a single day. Like, yes. what are we doing? And I'm like freaking out. Then I wake up and I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't been
0: in a this classroom is, yeah, in I don't 10 years. Think about this. They don't have no power over me yeah. anymore. And uh, so, and a lot of it was those, those classes that you had to take. Um, and I think they called it, like these core classes at the time. I think they dropped this since I was in school. I think they only did it for like while my four years in yeah. college. I think they go. They, they started it and then they're like, nah, this yeah, is not working. working. So you had to take uh, these classes that were in subject matters that you weren't even involved with. So like no matter what you were, if you were in the arts and humanities, you had to take like a science class. Yeah. You had to take an English class. You had to take all these.
1: They it's, did the same thing when yeah, when I was in school because yeah. I was – I was arts, you know, political science, it was in the arts and letters building and uh, most of it. And then um, I would remember going to like the science wing and I was like, the
0: fuck am I doing here? Yes. I I had a geology class and I'm like, I, I was, I started out in English a history major for like that first semester. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Then I went to English. So I have a minor in English, but then I found, once I found psychology everything clicked, I was like, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm breezing through this. This is great. (laughs) and so and then you're in like a trade class and you're like i'm here because they said i had to be here i yeah. don't know well i think partly, what's with the symbols on the wall yes partly why i did well in the psychology was i could just take psychology i'd gotten all of those prerequisites yeah. out of the way and so i was in a ge- I just remember being in a geology class and going i don't why am i in geology like it, this is like Hardcore science yeah, And I am not interested In <laughs> that at scientist. all like, We had to take math Which was fine I was always good in math But it's like You had to take through Like calculus And so now I'm like Alright now I've got to like Go back and try to remember yeah. The math that You know Because I didn't even take math My senior year of high school So it's been years since you did Yeah because I had doubled up My junior year I took two math classes My junior just year of high school of Just to get out of the way and so I took calculus for like a week in my senior year. I go, I don't need this. Yeah. I want to breeze through. So just all of that. Like it, and that's even thinking about for my daughter, she's only four and a half. I'm like, I want her to be able to feel passion about academics. And I think that comes from not just saying, you got to do yeah. all of this stuff. Cause it's like, I think if you can, uh, Get them to be interested in passion. The way I'm about comedy. Yeah. Like once I found comedy, that was also – that was the other half of what I was doing with my time my freshman year when I got on academic probation was I would go to a few classes that weren't at 8 a.m. Whatever was like basically from 10 a.m. to 10 to, to 4, two. yeah. I'll, to I'll, two. I'll go to those. And – I would come home for lunch and I would sit and watch Comedy Central while I ate lunch and while I ate dinner. So it was like, I'm just watching Comedy Central and I am just playing basketball. Yeah. That was my entire life. And I, I didn't go drinking. I didn't, Did you, you know, drink at all when you were in college? Uh, probably had a couple drinks uh, you know, at some point, but I've never been into it. Now, you know, going back to my dad with the whole drinking thing is his dad was – an alcoholic. Okay, and so regardless of like the churchy stuff, I think he would have been not into drinking because he saw what his. And my dad's the oldest of three siblings, so he saw the worst. Of he it. saw the worst, and he was responsible for the family. He felt it felt responsible. He yeah. wasn't responsible, but he felt responsibility over keeping the family together, and so and he never had that perfect relationship with his dad. His dad wasn't like. A Mean drunk he just would disappear Yeah and so he saw how That affected his mom you know and so He just we never had alcohol Around us
1: okay so it's interesting you Bring this up because i've seen this go Both ways where i've seen Because even and i tell that i talk about this in the One man show that i'm running. but it, i've Been in situations where because I was straight edge all the way through almost high school. Like I didn't start drinking till almost the end of my senior year of high school because I saw what drinking did to people around me, whether it's, you know, parents or siblings or anything, and I'd be like, "Oh, I don't want to like do that." Like they they get out of control or they get loud or they'll just blatantly like say they're going to do something and then it never happens. And so I was like, "Oh, this this alcohol, this seems like poison." And so I just didn't but then, because I suffered from such bad anxiety and depression and stuff, I remember the first time I had, like, two drinks and all of that went away. And I was like, no wonder everybody does this. <laughs> but had it not been that point, I would have been in that same boat where you look around and you go, oh, this is terrible. Like, this like this isn't for me. And I w- almost, almost made it out unscathed. And then that one time I was at a, a party and I was like, ah, I guess I'll have a drink. Because I was known as the kid who doesn't drink. And yeah. I was like, ah, I guess I'll do it. And then I had, like, one or two shots, and I was like, Ugh, "This is amazing." Oh, and then just it was. Past that. If I would have just gotten past that one point, I could have stuck with the. Oh, I'm the guy who doesn't drink, and yeah. now.
0: And this and, podcast would be very different, yeah. Right now, yeah, it would be very different. <laughs> it would be all about uh, academic success. Yeah, I would have gone to law school,
1: and I would have yeah. everything would have worked out totally different. Yeah, but the fact is, I did do that, and so I fell into that same you know, addictive behavior that runs in my family and stuff. And then I just kind of went down that whole rabbit hole. But for your father, he was just like, no, we're not doing it. We're not keeping it in the house. This isn't happening. He
0: didn't win in the house. And, you know, like I said, it was already in a conservative uh, area. Yeah, community. In a community. Yeah. So, there wasn't a lot of drinking from anybody. Yeah. There was some people that would have a glass of wine, but it was like very rare. I I don't even remember seeing anybody drink a glass of wine into or even talk about drinking a glass of wine until maybe I was in high school. Okay. So it was that far into it. And you know, when you're in elementary school and even junior high, it's not like even the kids are really drinking or doing anything yet. Yeah. You'd have to be in a severely broken home. We've or, had a couple of those comics yeah. on. <laughs> yes. And there are there yeah. are I mean there certainly was troubled kids in my era. I don't know if they were drinking or anything. They did not talk about. There's this kid I've, ne- I've never been able to find him since, but there's Jimmy Norris. This was in elementary school. He was that kid where I'm like – I, I didn't there. I recognize it at the time, but now I go, there must have been a lot of trouble at home. Yeah. This kid set the bathroom on fire in first grade. <laughs> he was <laughs> – That's ballsy for uh, a first yes, grader. He uh, he would have anger issues. He threw erasers across the room if he was told to go out in the hallway. And, at one, and he was also the kid in gym class where he'd like tap you on the shoulder go, hey, you know, in um, the locker room and you look down he go point down and his penis is out of his shorts. He's pulled it through the yeah, leg, yeah. leg of the short go, and then he'd scream laughing and run out of the room. And I'm like – he clearly destroyed – the world now? He's a, commu- he's a comedian. Yeah, I – my guess is probably what happened is he ended up in prison or dead. Yeah. That's my guess of what happened. Oh, probably. I have never been able to find any records of him since yeah. then. Even with Google and everything now. No, I have not found anything from him. So, like, if, you know, we were friends, you know, like elementary school friends. Anyone in your class yeah, is pretty much your friend. You yeah. Know? There, there's a little bit of, like, I'm making fun of you type of thing because I was the fat kid. But generally speaking, people were friendly even if there was the cool kid and there was the, you know. You're
1: still in the thing. same class. And yes. it's, you know, even if the classes are big, they're still smaller classes. Yes. It's
0: not really too junior high that you have the full divide where the click start the forming yeah. start for Because now you have classes that you go to and you're not just in. We're in the same class with the numbers and the letters yeah. and the colors on we the. We do floor. all five subjects together. Yes. So, uh, so there's kids like that. But just generally speaking, there wasn't a lot of that. And so. The kids that I hung out with, um, a lot of times it was church friends. Yeah. And there was none of that. And so it wasn't until I got to college at Indiana University that even. Yeah, because that's a big school. That's not a small, like private school. Yeah, huge state school. And it's kind of a party school Mm -hmm. that. Most of those Midwest schools are. Yes. They have a very large Greek system. Yeah. And, you know, at one point, a friend of mine wanted to be in a frat. I was not so much into it because I'm a weird dude anyway. Like I think any comedian is, has a different relationship with society. Yeah, and 100%. Than, uh, than other people. So like I've always been a bit quiet. So like I would call myself – people are like, were you the class clown? It's like I was a class clown's writer. Yeah. Like just generally speaking, I would, hey, hey, do this, do I, this. I would say something like I would say it to you and go, hey, this thing – or I'm trying to make you laugh. And then that you would say it out loud to everybody and get a laugh. And I was like – You know, that's my joke. Yeah. Like that kid's not smart enough or funny enough to think. That happens to
1: me on social media all the time (laughs) is
0: I'll walk by something
1: and I go, oh, this would be like a funny reel or a TikTok. And I just won't do it. And then like a week later, I'll be scrolling and then I'll see someone doing the same thing. And I go,
0: that's my fucking bit. That's my bit. That could have been your bit, you know? And so with that, like um, even I remember getting my first big laugh out loud. You know, because I was always the talker. They would say, he's smart, but he doesn't apply himself. And he talks. And he does fine. But then the kids distract distracting kids, yeah. the kids. And so, and that's the way I always did it was I was distracting the kids around me. But my first big all the class laughs was sixth grade. And sixth grade was in, still in elementary school when I went to school. They, they didn't bump that to middle school yet. And so, uh, our teacher was talking to us about drunk driving. And she's like this, you know, the, the horrors of drunk driving, you know, and we're, what are we at? 11, 12. You know, yeah, something something like like that. It's like, we're not even thinking about driving or drinking. I don't know why we're learning about drunk driving, but okay. It's probably part of the health package or whatever to learn. And so she goes, do you really want your parents to have to identify body parts someday? And I just turned around, uh, in the seat behind me and I grabbed my hand like this and kind of hit it behind the. Uh, the chair and i go is this your hand and the entire boom. class boom everybody laughed. cool kids you know everybody and my teacher goes look i'm very disappointed <laughs> but i was like I, but you can say that and that that's very parallel to what comedy can be is that like, uh if you get the laugh in the room it doesn't matter if you had that one french person goes, i'm disappointed in what you said yeah. i already got the laugh it's it's over it's i over.
1: already got it yeah so when you got to college was that a completely different experience or did you hang around people that were more of your, your mindset and stuff? So, at first- Because w- when you got there, I guess what I'm asking is, did you stay on campus? Did you have a random roommate? Like,
0: how did all that work? So, my first my freshman year, I stayed in a dorm with a guy I knew in high school. Okay. And we got along very well our senior year of high school and very well for probably the first semester and a half. Then I think we were just around each other too much or something like that. We had a falling out and he basically has never spoken to me again. Oh, wow. And it's silly, like the kind of thing we – I had my feet up on his clean laundry or something like that and he got very upset about that and just never spoke to me again. But this is another story where – kind of like the Jimmy Norris story where it's like looking back, I think I see – what more of the issues were going on that I know could possibly understand at the time. So senior year, everybody said that he was gay and he was like, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. And he said that until somewhere mid college. And then he came out as gay. Yeah. And so, and people were saying in high school, he's in love with you. He's in love with you. And I go, ah, that's, you know, the way I think is just like, I don't believe anything. Anybody says about anything unless I see it for myself. And so I think it is possible. I don't know that he was had any feelings for me, but I think we had this friendship for sure. And that friendship, he felt upset that we were not maybe connecting the way had, we had connected in high school friendship yeah. wise. Like now he's making some other friends and I'm making some other friends. And he never felt close enough to me to say, I'm gay. Yeah. And so I don't know. I've thought back, like, did I say anything that could have hurt his feelings in that way? I don't remember that. But it's, you know, I was 18, 17, 18 years old. I might have said something stupid or insensitive, not knowing. And then he just bottled all that up and then it just came out and he just left. And so, you know, we've spoken on Facebook since then, but. You know nothing. Nothing other, ever. Just more pleasantries. You yeah, know? I just wanted him to know that, um as far as I'm concerned, we're still friends, and you know whatever. Yeah. And so, so, so that you said that was the first that, semester. That, that was that was first year freshman yeah, year. Okay. roommates, and so uh he is the one that advised me not to take Italian when I was like, I want to learn Italian. He goes, No, because I tried to take French because I had a girlfriend at the time that spoke French, and I was like, Oh, I'll just learn French, and I just absolutely miserable student in that and he goes take german yeah so i, I can because well, th- french italian and spanish are all based in latin yes and so and he was a very good you know uh language student and he goes take german he's so i can thank him for that yeah. of getting an That's a more in german the, uh, he's for sure helped me get my grades up by going take german yeah all right And so, that was my freshman year. Then my sophomore year, I was – my first semester, I was in a different dorm with just some random guy. What was that like? Were they like – because I know
1: when I got to my public university, it was like go time. As soon as I got there, it's like we're partying. So, when you get placed with a random person your sophomore year, are they like ripping and rolling or are they –
0: It was weird. I can't – I feel like his name was Tate or something like that. (laughs) But he also – I thought – I just got paired up with an old dude Uh, and the way this, that dorm was new. And so we had a shared bathroom in between two rooms instead of having uh, like one shared room and that we both slept in, we each got our own little room and then shared a bathroom and we almost did nothing together. Okay. So
1: because you were kind of separated
0: by that bathroom, you guys just never really saw each other. And I was also like, I, I felt like he was so old. I was like this old dude. What was he 22? He was maybe 22 or 23. He was like just a few years older. But like I said yeah. earlier, when you have two years separated when you're young, it feels like these people are ancient. It's yeah, like, I always feel like my older
1: sister's like way older than me and closer to my brother. She's actually two years older than me and four years younger than my brother. Yes. But in my head, it's like, oh, no, you and Ryan are closer in age. Yes. But it's like, no, it's, it's not. A,
0: it makes no sense how the child brain yeah. works with that stuff. And so after that, I, I, I felt isolated there. You know, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. And so there was a house. So I was part of a church group, like a campus church group, and they had a house for guys that just, you know, like a not really a frat house, but s- yeah. Smaller they like do a have a frat situation. house now, like that that size. But at the time it was just like a eight of us living in a house. Yeah. So I moved in there and that was great because then I had friends. Yeah. Not just like over there why is this 24 year old just sitting in his room all day it's like weird and uh, well, he's doing heroin that's what heroin he does might, to yeah he did have like uh i don't know what they are they're steer steer antlers yeah, or, yeah. Or horns yeah. on his wall he was like a fake cowboy yeah, and big, like, good old country boy yes and i was just like why am i i don't know how i got paired up with him so do so you because then you go
1: into the church house so you literally yeah. almost had gone your entire college career unscathed from like partying and debauchery and all that. Pretty much, yeah. That's incredible. Yes. And you went to a huge
0: party school in the Midwest. Yes. And didn't touch it. No, no, not really. Like, I think I had a drink maybe one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: That is, speaks to
0: an incredible, like, I don't know if it's self-will or just. There's luck involved. There's also like, uh, going back to me being weird, is that I've never if I don't click with something right away and I see it as weird or dumb, it's hard to change my opinion. Of yeah. That. And so, like, when I'm drinking, it's like I already have a lot of fun stuff going on in my brain. Like, I entertain myself. I've always been very imaginative. I can, uh, I would, I worked on a loading dock in high school um, at <laughs> Sears, and I would just keep a notebook and I'd be writing ideas to myself. See, so you were that. way out of, you were way
1: out in front of it as yeah. far as, cause there are, just the things I've learned in rehab and detoxes and uh, going to jail and everything like that. It's that like a lot of that stuff you were doing in high school is stuff that they tell you to do as an adult, like, cause not only comedians, but addicts. I know also we always have like, our brains are always on, mm-hmm. which is why we use because it's a way to shut it off. And also for comedians, your brain is always on. You're always writing. Like I love Lenny Bruce and that's the last line of his book is how do you write? And he goes, I'm always writing or yeah. I'm always observing. Um, and so for you, you were way out in front of it. You were journaling and writing stuff down and taking notes way before everybody.
0: Yeah. I get, you know, I didn't think about it at the time for sure. And I was, I was writing ideas that were really probably more film type of ideas. I hadn't, you know, when I said show business didn't seem real, I didn't know comedy would be an option until I went to my first open mic as an audience member. Was this in college? This was just after graduation. Okay. And, well, yeah, shortly after graduation, maybe it was a year or two, but a friend of mine who is uh, a good friend from high school and college, we were roommates in college by senior year at that house. Yeah. um, His sister was doing comedy. and. She invited us to go to the open mic. And this, she seemed way older, too. She was probably three years older yeah. than us. But she seemed ancient. And we went and watched. And she was not good. <laughs> and – and but at the end of it, they go, you know, if anybody wants to sign up for this, they can. And that's where the light bulb went on. And it was like, wait a second.
1: I, I can could try that. this. Yeah.
0: I can try stand-up comedy. And so, we signed up as a duo, uh, my friend and I, and it just never – He he's chickened out. Yeah. So, But you went. But I went. And I've never stopped going since then. That's awesome. Never stopped since then. And so, I've had that – so, once I get locked into something like that – and this is kind of even when I was talking about, you know, I want my daughter to be passionate about I and passionate about comedy yeah and i love it and i and there's things i look back on my life and i go oh this is pretty wild that things like you know like working on the loading dock writing ideas uh seeing cosby or seinfeld or you know chris farley was a you know comedic influence but he's not a stand-up comic it's feeling like this huge love and connection to that stuff then you know, seeing Harlan Williams and Dumb and Dumber and then seeing and him then in real life. Yeah. All of these things connecting, going, yes, I'm I'm all in on this thing. So you went one year and then you moved to New York. Yep. Okay. And
1: then once you get to New York, you said it took you about – you said five or six years into comedy. So I'm assuming four to five years into New York, you were like, okay, I've got to dedicate to one
0: thing. Yes, yes. Because I was doing uh, Upper Citizens Brigade Theater here. I was doing a show that in a coffee shop where – with my wife where we would switch off and one person would kind of host the show doing standup and one person would do characters do sketches we'd do sketches together uh did videos that kind of so stuff. you've been with your wife for a while now too yeah i met her that first year of comedy she was doing an open mic God, that's there. awesome i saw her first time doing standup i had been doing it six months and i thought I knew everything yep. every six months and I watched her her very first time and it was incredibly depressing <laughs> because she was so good. And I was like, oh, OK, OK, okay. Like, that was the depressing part. Yeah. was like, I thought I was getting good and I watched her do her very first time and I was like, she's better than me. And it's her first time. And there was something about that of going, maybe I'm not not as good as I think. And, and there's all a whole, there's a lot of stories about that stuff. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. And so in all of this and being now, you know, I'm an adult in this, even being around comedy, it's like, I just didn't drink. I have not done drugs. It just – not that they have not been around or not oh, yeah, yeah,
1: Well, that's what I wanted to get into now is just – because we're coming – we've got about 10, 12 minutes left. I wanted to talk to you about – because now you're at the cellar quite often mm-hmm. and you're around some of, like you said, the most famous comics in the world and some of them like to drink and imbibe and party. I mean it's well-documented and other mm-hmm. things so we won't get into it here. But what is that like for you is that is it because as a sober person, it's – I've been sober long enough now and I've gone through enough bottoms and stuff and I do the stuff I need to do to stay sober. So when I'm around it, it literally like it doesn't bother me because it's like that's like I've, I'm so disconnected from it. And there are some days where it does bother me and then I just don't go out. But for you, just because it's never even been a part of your life, is it just like something you don't even
0: yeah, see? It's,
1: uh, Not don't see, but you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't register in your head.
0: Yeah, it's, it's something that doesn't uh, – Ever appealed to me. It's kind of like if you didn't grow up eating monkey brains, uh, like Indiana Jones yeah. and the Temple of Doom, and somebody in your 30s goes, Hey, you want to eat this? You're like, No, I'm good. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Because you've just gotten so used to not doing it. Yes. And so, you know, I and I see the maybe it's because my dad kind of instilled the consequences, but he, we didn't even talk about it until I was in high school or college that he even talked about his dad yeah. with that stuff. I just knew. That I barely even knew that grandpa. He died on my tenth birthday. Oh wow! And so I, that's the entire extent of knowing him would have been the two trips that we made to Ohio to see him per year. Yeah. So at ten, what I'd seen him maybe twenty times in my maybe, life, something yeah. like that. And that's accounting. You know, you take away half the of the first that. five years yeah. where you don't even know what's going on. So maybe ten times I've seen him in my life, and so. Um. Uh, consequences i'm i'm able to see consequences
1: i was just about to say you're very good with like i'm of the belief where it's like don't touch the stove it's hot and then i just keep burning myself and then eventually i'm like maybe i should stop doing this but you're very good at like if someone says don't touch that stove it's hot you'll get close to it Be like yeah that's kind of hot i don't want to touch that yes yes and And that's that i'm envious of that that's something (laughs) uh, genuinely because there's so much stuff in my life that would have gone differently if i would have just listened to people be like hey
0: don't do that, asshole. And I would have been like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And and no, I and we all have our things. It's not yeah. like I'm flawless and I don't do things over and over and over again that are destructive to myself. But like that's particularly one where it never and I don't know. Maybe the addictive gene is in my, you know, body and my DNA. And so I don't even really want to kick it in. Yeah. Cause I am like food is a big thing. Where it's like, you know, as a fat kid, I, I fluctuate in weight. Yeah, and me too, stuff. yeah. So I'm like, if I have that problem with sugar and chocolate and things like that, I can only imagine that it'd probably just double down if it was drugs and alcohol that I'd probably have much,
1: much bigger. Yeah, because I know Dane uh, Cook has talked about that before where uh, there's addiction in his family, so he just never touches it. Yeah. And he's just never touched it. And that's how – and that's something too – It's interesting because had, like I said earlier, had it become one of those things where I just was never, if I just was like, oh, this is dangerous and just never touched it. Like obviously lives are completely different. Yeah. My, almost my entire set, my whole life now is predicated on all the dumb stuff I did because I was drinking. Yeah. Whether it's hospitals or rehabs or jails, like that's all because of alcohol Yeah, and how much different my life would have been without it. And it's, I don't know I've had a lot of people On this podcast And we've had stories You know Caitlin Plufo Talked about getting Arrested in Mexico (laughs) Steven Rogers Talked about walking Over to a stretcher When they called The ambulance on him I've had all sorts Of like people On Josh Adam Myers Talked about his Two DUIs Three DUIs Yeah And then it's interesting I love having someone On
0: who's kind of like Yeah You see
1: all that destructive shit? I just was like, I don't want it. I know, I don't
0: want it. Like when I was in high school, this is like the weirdest example of something that I saw. Like, oh, I don't want this. Um, My dad drove a um, Chrysler Sebring convertible at the time. Okay, real hot stuff. Yeah, especially for Indiana. But he would let me drive it occasionally, and so I drove it. I was driving a friend home, and there was three of us in the car. And we were driving by and we saw two guys pushing their car like, oh, it's ran out of the gas or they're broken down. And we go, we should go help them. And just keep on. We're, Beautiful. We're, we're actually probably in college at that point. So, we're probably, you know, 20 years old. Yeah. So, you old. and two buddies. Yes. And so, we we flip around and they had pushed into an elementary school parking lot. And so, we somebody else had help, stopped to help them too. And the you know when you come up on a scene and you see the response of somebody that is – observing what's happening you're like something's off here because they're looking at the whole scene like they look a little scared and a little nervous nervous and so the two guys that are pushing the car we just come by and we go hey can is anything we can do to help you guys and they didn't say anything and one of the guys just passes out slowly just rolls to the ground and the car rolled over his head and we were like, whoa. And like the people that had already stopped to see if they needed help, they go, we're out. And they just drove away. And we go, hey, you know, there's a fire uh, house. Like it like rolled onto his head? Rolled, the tire went boop, boop over his head like a speed bump. And he popped up immediately. Okay. So it like didn't crush his head. No, it didn't crush his head. He popped up immediately. He's bleeding some. Yeah. But he pops up immediately and just goes, oh, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know. But he's got blood coming out. We go, bro. You, we just saw your head get run over by a car. There's a firehouse that is right next door to the elementary. Can we just get tell them to you know get you to help, yeah, come help? And this is how you, I knew drugs or alcohol had to be involved because he goes, no cops. Uh, okay, and it it was like because we we're like we can call nine one one whatever. No cops, you know. And we go, okay. And and he's walking towards us and we're like, you know, he's he looked like a zombie the way he was like shuffling along, like, don't call the cops. And (laughs) you know, and uh, the other guy was slurring his words too. So it's like they were either on on uh, drugs or they were committing some sort of DUI and they didn't want that kind of stuff. And so we go, Okay, no problem, you know, we'll leave. and And so we left a couple blocks later um this is the far east side of indianapolis where there's a lot of you know cop um happenings yeah. going on anyway we saw a police officer and we go hey, hey uh, excuse me officer he's in the street with a light and he's pulled somebody over and he goes hey get out of here get out of here and we go well, hold on like we can we just tell you what we just saw and he goes what is it <laughs> and and the
1: I, you know, he sat in uh, Indiana. What?
0: Yeah, it's it is totally a very every interaction I've had with an <clears throat> Indiana uh, police officer. It tends to go something like this mm-hmm. where, like, you know, they got a little too much power. They're like a combination of and uh, Heat of the night and Barney Fife <laughs> where where it's like they don't. They they got too much power and they they're ready to show it, but they also are fumbling and bumbling. And so he goes, <laughs> That's a perfect way. Yeah. In the heat of the night with Barney Fife. Yes. And he's like, you know, he goes, First of all, I just want to tell you this. You might have just run over some important evidence right now. So what is it that you was so important that you needed to tell me this? And we go, we just saw a guy's head get run over, like a car ran over his head two blocks away. And he goes, I'll call it in. Now get out of here. And so and what he was doing, probably because it was a car full of black people they probably threw out a joint out the window or something like that. And he was looking for it. Cause yeah. it's not, you're not looking for a gun in the middle of the street. You're not looking for any, bag. he's just hassling these guys. He's just yeah. hassling them. Uh, at best it was a joint or something. They threw out yeah. the at, at best. And that's what was so important for him to take care of instead of the person that was full, you know, that got run over, got run over. And so, and when we went back to, um, my friend's house we call 911 we go hey this police officer said he was going to report this but we thought we should at least check barney Five said, he Bar- said he's gonna call it in and so um they said nope we have no reports of that and i go well this is what happened and where it was and so that also let me it, just a little slice into like what yeah. the policing might be like there on that side of town but just seeing like all of that you can't you don't want to trust yourself yeah. in the situations of – So, being, that was a really – big. that was like a – I've made the right decision Yes, the moment. Yeah, because you can't <laughs> trust yourself in that. But you also can't even trust authorities to help you and people that might want to try to help you like me and my friends. They weren't – we weren't in a position that we felt – safe even to help this person and because i've had that
1: before where people have been like super intoxicated when i lived in apartment complexes Mm -hmm. like in florida because you can just walk into the and i've had people like banging on my door and i've opened it and they're hammered and they're like this is this is my friend's house and i'm like no buddy like and but you i've been in the spot where it's like well i don't want to call the police because i've been in this situation yeah but it's also like you're not coming in my apartment. Yeah. Like I'll throw you down the stairs. Like you're not coming <laughs> yeah. in here. So <clears throat> I completely understand like seeing that and you're like, I don't know what to do. And the person in that situation has no idea what's going on. And it's like, do you see that? Because you do host one of the – we were talking about the show at The Cellar. Do you see that a lot in New York as far as – kind? because of, The Cellar is kind of the club obviously in the world. So do you see that with audience members? Like, do you are you constantly reminded? Like, oh, this is why I don't do this. Like yeah. with hammered audience members oh, yeah. and stuff.
0: There's there's people who, <clears throat> I because when people get super hammered, I'm like I I can't even put myself in the mind space of go why that would be fun. Yeah, because it's like they're stumbling around, they are falling on their face sometimes, or <laughs> passing out. You know, ambulance have to come take people away. Um, at the at the soda there was. This is a few months ago, and Aziz Ansari was on stage. I was hosting, so I wasn't in the room when – I introduced Aziz, and then I left because, you know, when you're hosting, you have to, like, go out to the room. You have to, like, find the next comic. You have to figure out the timing of what's going on. And I come back in, and Aziz is talking to somebody, and all the bouncers are in there.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's the other thing about the cellar that a lot of the clubs in New York don't have. The cellar has security. Yes,
0: and <laughs> they're they, massive yes and king is gigantic yes he is they, these are big dudes <laughs> like i'm a big guy and i see yes, king and i'm like Nah, man you're good because no, yeah like i said i'm 6'2 and these guys dwarf me yeah like they are probably the smallest of the bouncers is probably 6'2 6'3 and like 3'10 350, yeah 350 yeah they're, they're big boys and they will – but they're the friendliest guys unless yes. they need to – and I've never actually seen them have to like physically get with anybody. So, in all the time you've been at the cellar, you've never actually seen them physically remove someone. No. I, I've seen them like say, come with me. And usually, I think just a big presence, people go, okay. I'm coming I'll, with you. I'm yeah. coming with you. Well, this was a woman who – when I was hosting up top, I was like, I can tell you're going to be a little bit of an issue. You can see it. We you can see just it. see a little bit. Well, she – they were all around her and they were not trying to physically remove her yet. And like even even the club manager and everything was in the room. And Is Aziz still talking? Aziz is talking to her <laughs> going, why are you still here? And so she had been asked to leave. She must have been heckling. And the policy there is at the cellar, you heckle once the servers come around and say, no more talking. If you do it again, you're gone. Yeah. Basically. There's no – there's almost a zero tolerance yes. for Yes. And so – she was first you get the friendly server like hey don't do that and then yes. then, then, then you, you get king You like, right. and so uh they they were like um sitting there and not saying anything and not moving but she was definitely she i don't think it was alcohol i think it was some sort of drug yeah because the way that she was acting was not just like alcohol does to somebody because usually alcohol when somebody gets drunk they get loud yeah, and, belligerent, uh, yeah. Belligerent, and you can't don't touch me and all this and she was just sitting very still and very quiet and they were like come with us ma'am come with us and she's she just was shaking her head no Mm-mm. like she was almost catatonic except for shaking her head no wow. and as he's like why are you doing this you're making it so weird you're still you're here there. and this goes on for like no. 10, 10, 15 minutes of them like trying to get her out. And then at some point she goes, I'm sorry that I ruined your whole thing. I'm sorry I made it, you know, you know, just breaking down. And this, this is kind of important for the story is that she's a white woman. Yeah. Okay. And so she might be getting away with some stuff that maybe you wouldn't in society uh, if you weren't a white woman and so my wife is black by the way and so when i told her this story about like because the, they eventually got the woman to go yeah but it was 10 or 15 minutes that's of, a long that, time that's a long that's a time. set yes and i'm actually was and, and he aziz was amazing with it of course amazing with her also amazing getting the room back it was just he did a great job with it all but he's a professional he's absolutely professional but it, just watching somebody like completely humiliate themselves, and she was crying like, "I'm sorry, I embarrassed myself." But it's like, just leave. You're making it way yeah. worse. And Aziz was saying like, "He goes, it's okay, just go. Yeah, it'll be better if you just go. Yeah, instead of making the scene." And so my wife is black. When she heard this whole story, she goes, "She turned that into her, her being the victim." Yeah. So with the crime- Your wife's and, dead on. That's yes. a great point. She She's used to that as a white woman in this world. You just turn it back on them.
1: Yeah. I'm the victim here. I um, ruined your show. I'm so sorry. Yes. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm sad. You
0: know, now you're yelling Now you at me. have me crying. Yes. I'm getting kicked out. I'm embarrassed. You did this to me type of thing. And yeah. it's like, no, your behavior instigated all of this. And we're just going through the protocols. And so- <laughs> You know that's the most one of the more recent ones. I mean, God, I see that's people get kicked out all the time. And have you ever been like, "Hey, out of here"? No. Ah, I was so hoping. No, because I don't feel like I have that power. Yeah. There's-
1: well, and as the host too, you don't want to. You don't want to divide the room yes. as like, "Oh, we thought we were having fun, and now this guy's kicking people out." Yes. That's why it's good to leave it to the servers. Into this. That's
0: the- that's great. There. Now, I have had places where I have to shut people down more. But in general, I think the weirdest it has ever even gotten, like at the is like me as host going, "All right, guys, I know you're talking and you're, ha- you know, think having a good time, having a good time, think you're b- being part of this. But what's going to happen is if you keep doing that, they're going to kick you out, and I don't want that to happen for yeah, you. Yeah, you're the good guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I so, don't want, I don't want to see that happen. So, so, so don't do that anymore. And that usually gets nothing. You know, just kind of brings the whole room down. But then, so then I got to get it back. So yeah. the best case. Uh, scenario usually is for the servers because the servers are usually on top of it. Oh, yeah. If something like that has happened, it's because they are running to get the drinks and they just happen to not be right there at that moment. Yeah, because they're general.
1: very good too. Because I've been with people where they get a little loud and the server will just come by and be like, okay. Yeah. And then we're like, all right. Because I'll be like, shut the fuck. Like, D- don't embarrass me <laughs> like I do shows here like don't fucking embarrass me yes Because like when my girlfriend has friends in town they always want to go to the cellar and Liz loves her to death I know her from uh, other stuff and she uh, a lot of times she'll like, you know take care of us and stuff And so when I go there and her friends have a couple of drinks, and then they want to get loud I'm like you better like like my dad used to say when we go into parties You better not fucking embarrass me yeah. right now because <laughs> yeah. I have to work with these people But yeah. the servers are very good about being like okay. That's enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's I you know, I saw it with uh, you know Chris Rock was on stage last night, and somebody was shouting out something to him, and they immediately went over. Now he was still asking them like, "What do you, what is it you want?" And he goes, "Let let let them answer this one question." Yeah, because he knows the policy too of just going like, "I know that they've shut you down already, and you literally are afraid to answer this because you're going to you're you're get kicked kick out, out." Yeah, but we're we're all in agreement. You can answer this question and so she answered it and then he had his jokes ready prepped for that but like yeah it's it is an interesting you know because certainly that is not true of a lot of places and that is not the trend online right now No, instagram is to show just the heckling yeah i know
1: and you and i had i wish we had more time but we are coming to the end but you and i talked about that and that's actually the conversation we had is something i bring up to people still to i mean that was a couple weeks ago but still i bring it up all the time any chance i get when I when I'm talking to other comics about stuff they're putting online, I'm like, you you understand we're inviting like they'll be like, I can't believe that person chatted out. And I go, You know, we're inviting this with yep. everything that we post. <laughs> is destroy Heckler, Heckler gets shut down, crazy Heckler. I'm like, We're doing this to ourselves. Yeah. And then I was like, Well, I never thought about it
0: like that. I'm like, exactly. Yeah, because you don't see the consequences, but I do. I can see consequences ahead of time, and I don't want to be entering that behavior. Call back like a
1: professional.
0: (laughs) Plug everything one more time, uh, your social media, your album, the whole thing. Everything at Comedian Luke uh, on all social media platforms, and also Comedian Luke at Gmail. If you want a book, if you want to just chat, if you want to buy an album that I mail to you and send, we can do all of that stuff.
1: Perfect. Thank you again for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. At Brennan T Comedy on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com. One man show is coming in January. So keep your eyes out for that. And we will talk to you all next week.